Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the key studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. John Chuckery Show coming to you live here on this Wednesday evening. 404-726-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. We'll talk to our buddy Brad Rowland. Uh, we'll talk some Hawks basketball with him as the Hawks look to wrap up their preseason coming up on Friday as they'll take on the Philadelphia, I should say, Philadelphia 76ers and uh, get ready for regular season basketball coming up next week. This, though, is your nightly look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. Um, So on the pardon my take, what is pardon my take? That's the uh, the guys from uh, Barstool Sports. So uh, PFT commenter and Big Cat. Okay. Who, I, I don't know who any of those people are. They're so. real people. Okay. Just trust me. Okay. Um, I was going to say something. I was going to say something kind of crude. Um, anyway, um, Brian Boldinger was on their podcast or whatever, and he said, if you put Tom Brady on the Falcons, they could win a Super Bowl, that they have enough pieces and enough parts with their offensive line, their defense, and all the skilled people around them, they're a Tom Brady. Now, let me ask you a question. Isn't everybody in the NFL a Tom Brady away from winning the Super Bowl? I mean, if you put Tom Brady on the New York Jets right now, they're a Super Bowl team. If you put him on the Cleveland Browns, they're a Super Bowl team. Uh, what franchise isn't a Super Bowl team that you put Tom Brady on? So... And by the way, to be able to have gotten all those skill position peoples, that's why you don't have a Tom Brady. There's Again, you, you A, don't have the money to have spent on a guy like that, and B, you know, you when you have Tom Brady, you have to pick, you know, at the end of the draft every year. I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of going on. So. Yeah, I understand. A lot of S going on. Or she's bought. <laughs> that wasn't even close, Orrin. That wasn't even close. wasn't even wasn't even close. Uh, that that's a bold comment. Um, but I, I the only thing I say is everybody's Tom Brady away from being a Super Bowl team, though. That, that's not unusual. Most teams in the league. I mean, the, the the gap between most teams in the NFL isn't that drastic. 
It's can guys make a play here and a play there? You know, again, NFL games come down to about five or six plays. If you make those five or six plays, you can win every game. So, again, I don't know. Now, this kind of struck me as interesting. Um, so, Pro Football Focus gives their offensive line rankings each week. And so, offensive line rankings going into week number seven. Um, the Detroit Lions are number one. Who, uh, gosh, Oren, remind me who plays for the Detroit Lions on their offensive line. Barry Sanders, uh, no. Oh, uh, gosh. Um, it's, uh, oh, yeah, Panay Sewell. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Uh, the Cowboys are number two. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles are number three. The Indianapolis Colts are number four. And moving up one spot from the week before, believe it or not, they have the Atlanta Falcons at fifth. Say the Falcons offensive line did not allow a sack against Washington and finished with the third highest pass blocking efficiency rating in the NFL. Now, I have not looked up the game stats to see who was credited as far as giving up the sacks, but how did they not give up a sack in that game when Ritter took three sacks? Like, I'm, I'm curious as to, I'll have to look back at the, at, the, at the game breakdown just as far as who gave up everything, but that's what they have. And they said center Drew Dahlman, who we were talking about earlier in the show, has earned a positive grade on 21.2% of run plays, the second highest rate among centers. Uh, Chris Lindstrom's her best player after a slow start the season. Lindstrom has played better recently and is currently the fourth highest graded guard in the NFL. That strikes me as kind of interesting. Very, very interesting. So I don't know if I agree, but again, I, I trust what their metrics say. Like you have to take the good with the bad in all of it. And I'm not sure that they're the fifth best offensive line uh, in the league. All right, let's uh, let's react to what Arthur Smith said on Dukes and Bell. Here's uh, Arthur talking about evaluating the high and why of communication issues from Sunday's game. Sure, that's what happens when that stuff does come up and it, and it hurts you. And um, so, you know, anytime you have an issue, I mean, sometimes things get covered up in, in a win, and it may not be there, but there may be a protection issue or maybe any issue, and your your job is to it's easy to say hey, what happened. Like, it's kind of like that can't happen. It's like no, you know, whatever, you know, no, no, no blank. No, yeah, there we go. Yeah. But you got to say why. So why did that happen? So, you know, even in this young season, so you've had, I could just do the rough math for you, 360 plays. And they came up, you know, we had a couple issues last week. They're all different why they happened. That's not an excuse. I mean, that's just the practical reality. So that's, you know, then you got to say, all right, this is why it happened. Okay. Some of those things are, you know, tough to, uh, tough pill to swallow, but they did. And so, how do you, you know, how are you going to fix it? Well, okay. So we come out good on the five or six plays that decide a football game. Some weeks and some weeks we don't. Now that's part of having a young quarterback who's not made, you know, not even has a season underneath his belt. But again, you have to figure out a way to overcome some of that stuff. Because, again, this is a good enough team that they should be able to find themselves in the playoff picture, playoffs in the NFL. And, by the way, we talked about this before. Teams that start out 2-0, and 65% of the time they make the playoffs. Oren, over the last – you know how they've expanded the playoffs the last two years, okay? Do you know there are 13 teams that started out 2-0 and the last two years, okay? 
not counting this year, but, I mean, the two years they've expanded the playoffs. Do you know how many of the 13 teams made the playoffs? 13? 11. 11. 11 of the 13 teams made the playoffs starting out with this expanded playoff, starting out 2-0. and Remember when we were like 6-0 and under Dan and we lost like six in a row after that? And <laughs> yeah, that was uh, Dan's good old first year yeah, here, 2015. 15. Yeah, yeah. Now, how'd that work out? Anyway. I mean, next year. Well, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How'd that work out? Cha-cha. Yeah. <laughs> Here's uh, Arthur on explaining why he's not going to make a quarterback change. People have different philosophies. I mean, you see some basketball coaches, you know, they, they pull the point guard off of one turnover, right? The guy takes a bad shot, whatever. <laughs> We're not trying to have the old, like, look around the shoulder of Mother May I. And you got to make a, you know, you don't want guys to play that way. But there is a fine line. Everything that goes with everybody, whether it's a left tackle or, or the receiver or the corner or whatever. And I understand the quarterback thing. He's played 10, 10 games. He's a young player. He's playing a lot of snaps. He's made a lot of good plays. If you go back and look at that game, the problem is those critical errors are going to get – they are. That's what it is. We know what we all signed up for, right? And you lose a game, and they're going to get magnified 1,000x. So there is progress. If there's not progress and there's things that completely happen, I, I don't care in any position. you got to go – you know, be objective and fix it. But we're not into that point of this drama. And for whatever reason, maybe because he wasn't hyped, he maybe didn't have the right PR person. There's some brutal quarterback play of some guys that have been a lot more invested in a lot, lot, you know, higher draft capital. So, you know, he's 5-5. Five and five. Our objective is to win games. I think he's in a stable play, and we're going to find out. This is a big game for us, and, and we'll keep going. But, uh, you know, at any position, you're not going to just die on a hill that's going to hurt the team. But we'll, Des is doing a lot of good things. There's a lot of things that we all can do better, but that's a little perspective. Well, and look, I'll use Trey Flowers as an example, that if you repeatedly make a lot of bad mistakes, they'll pull them. I mean, and that's what they did with Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers was getting beat, the penalty, um, just bad play after bad play, and eventually you had to get him off the field. And I don't think it's a matter of if Arthur Smith doesn't feel like Desmond Ritter can't play that he won't make a change but you're not going to make you're not going to make change for change sake let's put it like that you don't just make a change to satisfy a fan base or anything like that you have to have faith in your guy that he is going to get better and he's going to be a better quarterback all right um let me drop down to uh arthur smith on his sideline conversation with desmond ritter yeah i think he goes back to this right there's some players and every player is different I mean, you have, you know, rules and things you're trying to accomplish, and sometimes there's some really instinctive players, and sometimes you can overcoach somebody and you can take some away. So so here I'll just give you some history. The guy like Dez, he is a good play extender. So sometimes those guys can get you out of the jam because because they can run and he's got feel to move the line of the field. So, for, for example, like you watch Patrick Mahomes. He's one of the best play extenders I've ever seen. So, again, there's only one of the, one of him, but there's other guys that are very instinctive in certain things. So, like, you don't want to sit there and make a guy a robot. And some of the things that I think sometimes early on, and Dez knows that, you know, you build the confines to let him play his instincts. But what he was talking about in that situation is, you know, he, he thought he saw something and he wanted to make it. So, well, you know what his intentions were, right? You know, there's pressure coming. Season open. He got baited into it. So that's what he's talking about. Okay. Well, again, um, the second pick that Desmond made looked like he hadn't played football before. 
So, again, you get the highs, you get the lows, and everything in between. Now we just need to get to a point where we're consistent. At least be, even if it's average, just be consistently average. All right. Real quickly here, here's about um, the self-inflicted errors on Arthur, from Arthur Smith. This team isn't about three different entities. Part of the reason to play defense, hold the, hold the damn ball for 13 more minutes. Now, we got to put more points on the board. Right. But let's not lose perspective in three phases now. We play three phases as a team. And part of your strategy is you got to get off the field on third down. you got to stay on the field on offense, and we need to score more points. Stop having penalties in, the, in that fringe area. You know, the self-inflicted wounds. You know, you, you put 400 yards up. Don't turn the ball over three times. You got to score more points. Right. And we've had, you know, two of the last two games. We've we've had turnovers in the red zone. We've had a couple issues on the front. They've all been different. We don't have a lot of penalties, but the ones we we've had, they hurt us. Well, I'll say, you can't have your quarterback drop back fifty times a game. That that's there's going to be errors when you ask him to do that much. All right, Brad Roland will join us up next. We'll talk some Hawks basketball. Check we're hanging out in the Key Studios. Sports Radio 929 The Game and the Odyssey.com app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. John Chuckery Show coming in live on this Wednesday evening is, well, we're just about over preseason basketball. 76ers and uh, Hawks will get it cranked up on Friday, and then we will be ready for the regular season. Let's head out to the Wade Ford Dot com hotline Lennis Ford dealer. Let's talk to our buddy Brad Rowland. He's the host of the daily podcast Locked On Hawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow Brad on his personal Twitter page at BT Rowland. And Brad, good to be back with you uh, for another season as um, winding down the preseason. And you know, next week we're going to be talking about real live Hawks basketball. Yeah, we're we're almost there. I think we're all about ready for that to be uh, starting with the actual life coming on for sure. What, uh, what's been kind of some of the things that have stood out to you about preseason so far this year? I think that they, you know, they've been very open about the fact that Quinn Snyder is putting in a lot of his own stuff. And it's been, in some ways, the kind of usual preseason clunkiness. There have been some ugly moments, uh, lots of fast pace, lots, lots of turnovers, like the stuff that you would expect for teams trying to ride into form. But it also looks like a Quinn Snyder team. 
to me. Like they're taking more threes, which is kind of a staple of Clint Snyder. They're playing a little bit faster. And in general, the ball is moving and players are moving, which I think is a big change I think everyone was looking for from the previous iteration where I think basically what everyone agreed on was that the Hawks were too stagnant offensively the last couple of years, not just last year, but even even two years ago. So I think that's, uh, you know, you, you want to be careful about what you look at in the preseason and what you overreact to, but it looks a lot more like what the Hawks have been preaching when it comes to, you know, more movement and more unselfishness, moving the ball, all that stuff. What do you think is going to be the biggest difference on offense without a guy like John Collins? I think that, you know, a lot of a lot of it is coming down to they'll be a little bit more uh, flexible. It's not really about Collins necessarily. Part of it is about John, who is a good player, and I think is probably an underrated player at this point. But um, he had a, also a pretty, pretty defined skill set um, that didn't always work perfectly with a center next to him like Capella or even a Congo, but especially, especially with Capella, whereas the guys who are going to be replacing him on offense, Sadiq Bey is much more of a shooter, more of a combo forward, smaller than Collins in terms of height and length, but um, more willing shooter for sure. And then Jalen Johnson is much more of a jack-of-all-trades guy who can do a lot more things. He's a better passer than Collins, for instance, better ball handler, so they're going to lose some stuff defensively for sure, but because the question was offensively, you know, they're, they're a little bit more free-flowing with Johnson and they have better shooting with Bay. So it, it it's kind of remains to be seen. You know, they are losing some of that offensive rebounding, some of that, you know, lob, sort of lob threat that Collins was, but they are sort of more, um, I would say, molded to what Snyder used to do in Utah, a little bit more, a little bit smaller in some ways, but also more skill level on the perimeter and kind of more versatility. Brad Rowland joining me here on the waitfor.com hotline, host of the daily podcast Locked on Hawks. So Jalen Johnson, uh, let's talk about him for just a minute. So he averaged 14.9 minutes per game last year. And, you know, obviously we saw a lot of flashes with him over the course of the season. How much of an increase do you think, and I'm not looking for necessarily a specific number, but how big of a role do you think that he's going to have with this team now? And, and how, you know, again, is he looking at a significant increase in minutes, a slight increase in minutes? Like, what do you gauge him as far as what he's going to be this season for the Hawks? Yeah, I think broadly I expect him to be in a much bigger role. And part of that is just the reality that John Collins is not there anymore. So there's just that, that's just a guy that left the rotation that really wasn't replaced. The Hawks traded him for very little, and they're going to elevate guys like Bay and Johnson. So I think just by default – you'll see more minutes from Johnson. And also, I think that you know, going into year three, his rookie season wasn't a total lost year, but he didn't play really at all at the big league level in his, in his rookie season. So I think this is kind of going to be sort of a year two situation where you expect some growth. And I think you know, this staff is a little bit better um, set up to embrace what Jalen does. He's not a plug-and-play guy, and that makes it difficult in some respects. Like He's not a perfect half-court offensive player, but I think Snyder is a little bit more open, a little bit more versatile in what he does offensively to kind of incorporate someone like Johnson, who's not a proven shooter at this point, but has really good ball skills and he's so athletic and all that stuff. So long story short, he's also a better defender than Sadiq Bey is, which I think could be useful for a team that has some backcourt defensive problems, to say the least. So I think that you'll see Jalen – I don't know what the actual number is, like you said – but it's going to be significantly more. I think it's going to be at least 20, 25 minutes a game, something like that. He might even start at some, time, at some point this year. He might even be starting on opening night. We don't know exactly he's going to start before opening night. But I do think that I'm pretty confident by just the numbers game, he has to play a much bigger role than last year and something in the mid-20s would be my guess minutes-wise. How much do you think Kobe Bufkin is going to realistically play this year for this team? I think not a ton um, pending injury. I think we've seen in the preseason there, I think smartly using their first-round pick 
uh, a decent amount. Like he's been kind of like their number nine or ten guy a lot of times, depending on who's not, depending on who's playing and who's not. But this is still a team that I think when the lights come on, they're going to use Trey and Dejounte for probably all forty-eight point guard minutes when they're both healthy. And they've been using Bufkin more in that point guard role. He is more of a combo, but I think the combination of trying to win now uh, a pretty deep team, honestly, when everyone is healthy, and the fact that you know rookie guards especially, and he's not um, he, he's not a, a, a super young one and done, but he is certainly a younger guy coming into the league. Um, I think objectively, he's probably not going to help you win a lot. So it's, it's, it's an interesting balance that they really didn't do at all with Jalen two years ago where they kind of decided he wasn't going to help them and just didn't play him at all. I yeah. think when Trey or DeJounte is out, you'll probably see more of Bufkin uh, intentionally um, for development purposes. But if you were trying to win a game, like let's, let's just say next Wednesday when the lights come on, I, I doubt Bufkin's going to help you do that. So I think he's going to be kind of on the, outs- on the outside looking in when it comes to regular minutes. One of the other things I'm curious about is – do we start to see the, I, I don't know, for, for lack of a better word, the transition of uh, an Anyeka Kongu, not replacing Clint Capella, but, you know, if you look, I mean, Capella's obviously had several injuries. I think he only played 65 games last year. When you look at the minutes, you know, Capella was 26.6 minutes. Okongu was 23.1 minutes. Does that start to change, like, does a Kongu start to take over more of the center role, or do you? And I'm not even talking about necessarily starting, but again, it doesn't really matter who starts as much as who's going to finish the game. But do you see kind of that natural evolution or transition into Okongu as the center for this team? I think a little bit. I'm a little bit surprised, big picture, that Capella's still on the roster because just based on the last couple of years, not not because there's anything with him necessarily, but they drafted this guy in a Kongwu, you know, you know, three plus years ago now, and you would you would have guessed that by now, as a number six overall pick, he'd probably be starting, especially because he's played well when he's played. It's just that you know the Hawks, I think rightly, have noted that Capella helps them win, and he's a veteran. He does a lot of things well. He's beloved in that locker room. He's a great rebounder, all that stuff. Um, to answer the question, I think that you know it's more of the same of last year, with maybe a little bit of a hint toward a Kongwu, if that makes sense. I think you're probably going to see as long as Capella is here which is not a given. Like, he could be traded at some point. He, he was obviously available this summer. But I think, you know, it's kind of a good problem to have. But Capella's almost too good to come off the bench, if that makes sense, as a veteran in the league. I think he's probably a top 15 or 20 center in the league. It's hard to have that guy come off the bench. So, all that said, I think you'll see a Kongwu play um, at least as much as last year. I think, um, not to go all the way into this number, but when Capella was out last year, you saw 30-plus minutes for a Kongwu. And that's kind of a good path to have him play and expand his game. And I'd be careful with Capella. I think if Capella has any sort of nagging injury, back-to-backs, I would be looking to kind of rest him a little bit and, and you know, keep him fresh. And you have that luxury because you have a Kongwu. But I think if everybody's healthy, maybe an even split. I can't really see a Kongwu playing regularly more than Capella for the season. Maybe in a, in a game, sure. sure. I think Quinn's not going to be afraid to do that in a matchup. But I think if you ask me, like, when, the, when they both play, who plays more minutes on the whole, I would lean to Capella. But it'll be, it'll be, it'll be closer than it's ever been, let's, let's just say that. Yeah, and, and – you know, I am curious because, again, you know, if we are going to make a run this year, and, and it is going to have to be, you know, not just a first-round playoff exit, but if we're going to legitimately make make a run, you have to have guys like Capella healthy. I mean, not just through the 82, but he's got to be healthy and, and rested and, and ready to go come playoff time. And I think he is a valuable piece. I think, I think, I think it's going to be fascinating to see, A, whether or not if Okongu steps forward, would they be willing to move him? Would they be move, willing to move 
Capella at the deadline, or do you just still kind of roll the dice and, and, and give him as much rest as you can? Because I do think that that's an interesting dynamic of just what kind of role Okongu can play, and if he's stepping forward, does that make Capella expendable? Yeah, and, and we could see. I don't know if we will, and uh, Snyder's been pretty coy to this point, but we could see them at least try them together. Um, that's been sort of a taboo in the last couple of years, and I get it. Like, they're, they've been very clear. Kongwu, despite the fact that he's an undersized center, is a center. And he says that, so does the team. I agree with that he's a center. But they could try to have them play together, if nothing else, to just get a Kongwu on the floor more. Because he's a guy, look, as a former lottery pick, you know, if you're his agent, you'd like him to be starting by now. You'd like him to be playing more minutes by now. He's, he's extension eligible in the next week, for instance. So, like, there's an interesting – you brought up the dynamic there. There's a lot of things happening. Like, fortunately, Akangwu is a great guy by all accounts, and he, he and Clint get along well, so there's no, like, internal strife there. But eventually you're going to want to play him more and more, and maybe that's one way to look at it if they want to at least experiment with that. It's not going to be a frequent look, but in certain matchups you might see it. Brad, who's the guy that needs to step up this year? Who, who really needs to take that step forward, not just for the success of the team, but just – personally is about whether or not he can really play yeah i mean i've kind of generally looked to the forward group in general we talked about jalen earlier a little bit um i would probably say to one guy i would say deandre hunter and that's not a a new opinion necessarily he was of course a top five pick a few years ago he already got paid um as a starting level player but i think in general it would be fair to say that hunter has been relatively underwhelming through four years he hasn't been bad he hasn't been unplayable. He hasn't been, you know, any of those things. I think he's been a perfectly fine NBA player. But for what they've invested in him and what this team needs, I would say crucially, they need that two-way forward that Hunter is supposed to be because, you know, for better or worse, they have these two guards who are smaller, some defensive trouble there. And Hunter is really the, the guy. I mean, maybe Jalen Johnson becomes this as well. But Hunter right now is the guy who's supposed to be that two-way defensive forward who can also space the foreign offense. And um, so far, if he's the same guy he's been the last – two three four years the hawks have kind of a ceiling for me it doesn't mean they can't be better than they were last year i think they probably will be but he kind of unlocks them if he takes a step forward that very much help and if he doesn't that also might tell the organization like it's time to figure something else out because yeah he again he's not killing them but they've already paid him they're gonna get expensive in the, in the coming years they have a lot of guys gonna be gonna be getting paid already so uh, i am circling hunter probably the third straight year i've done that to be fair but I'm circling him as a guy who's a kind of a pivot point for the future in particular as well as the present. Well, and I think that's the thing, Brad, is that you're really banking on these guys that have been here to really step up because there hasn't been an infusion of all of a sudden this outside talent into the organization. And again, Murray, I know just was is in, you know, he played his first year last year, but I'm talking about just the idea of they went out in the free agent market and added pieces and this, then the other if you can't get some of these guys internally to really step their game up, I don't see how this franchise continues to move forward. I mean, you can only rely on Trey and DeJounte so much. You have to have some of these guys that either you've drafted or you've brought in or what have you continue to elevate their game if we're going to get somewhere. Yeah, and they're clearly banking on internal development. I mean, you know, Quinn Steiner is their big addition. Um, I know he was already here last year, but um, they're talking like that. And I agree, like he has a full summer, a full training camp, and that's what they're banking on. But they're also, to your point, they're really leaning into, we got to be better internally because, yeah, it's still it's still a relatively young team, but they didn't really make big changes. And yet Jalen Johnson's an obvious breakout candidate, A.J. Griffin maybe, but guys like Hunter, guys like Akongwu in, in a bigger role. Because, you know, it's it's hard to expect 
I'm not saying it's impossible, but like to go from 41 and 41 and being about the most average team possible last year to do what they want to do this year without making that, you know, external addition, it's going to really require guys to just improve. I mean, they, they weren't even that hurt last year. They weren't banged up. Like obviously every team, every team has injuries, but they didn't have a huge injury either. So they're hoping and crossing their fingers that Snyder unlocks this team. But um, along the way, some guys have to improve. Brad Rowland is the host of the daily locked on Hawks podcast. Follow him on his personal Twitter page at BT Rowland, and he joined me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Brad, as always, my friend, appreciate a few minutes on the show, and we will certainly chat again with you here soon. Thanks for having me as always. You got it. John Chuck, we will be back. Sports Radio 9 to the Game, the Odyssey.com app. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back at a Chuck Free Show. Hanging out in Kia Studios on this Wednesday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. Well, it was a uh, tale of two innings for uh, Max Scherzer. He pitched uh, in the first inning. He had eight pitches to get through the first inning. Thing was good. Now he's given up four runs in the second. Altuve's homered. So he's uh, through two and two-thirds uh, innings and um, uh, four runs in the game. Uh, he's up to 40 pitches now. So he's trying to get through the third inning here. And, um, yeah, things uh, things not looking as good for uh, Max Scherzer. So it was a good first inning. Eight pitches, got in, got out, and beat by a boop. And then um, the Astros have uh, have scored three in the second and now one in the third. And um, we'll see if the uh, Rangers can win uh, game three uh, or not. So, But um, they still have a two games to lead, uh, two games to none lead um, in the series. But, again, I mean, Astros are still one of the best teams in all of Major League Baseball, so maybe not as good as the Braves, but where are the Braves at right now? Oh, sorry. Anyway. Cancun. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now they're looking for uh, gold gloves. Y- you know, they're probably going to clean up in the postseason awards, right? I mean, MVP, you know, gold gloves, all these different things, you know, silver sluggers. and Because, again, you have to figure, don't you, Ronnie's a silver slugger winner. Olsen will be a Silver Slugger winner. Um, Riley could be a Silver Slugger winner. Uh, Ozzy could be the Silver Slugger winner. Murphy could be a Silver Slugger winner. I mean, they'll dominate all the postseason awards, and it won't have meant a, meant a single solitary thing when it was all said and done. But anyway, so... Uh, Falcons obviously get back out on the road uh, coming up on Sunday, and... Um, Look, I'll uh, I'll make my prediction right now. I think the Falcons find a way to get a win, and I think it's going to be 17-13. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Ew. I don't think either one of those offenses is going to get anything done. I I don't I think the, I think defense is going to rule the day. I think the Falcons win 17-13 and they find a way to get it done. Now look, this this may come back to bite me like it did. Because last week I said I thought they'd have their best performance of the year. And how'd that work out? 
Didn't work out well? Yeah. So, yeah, anyway. Um, but uh, Falcons have to win this thing. They have to find a way to go down there and find a way to get a victory. Not just not just because, again, you need to start winning on the road or what have you. Just all the different things that factor in it. And Tory McIlwain, I agree with me. I mean, again, nothing is necessarily must win in the NFL, especially at this point of the year. But you feel like if there was ever a must-win kind of time in the NFL for this Falcons team, this is it. Divisional game, on the road. They're not a very good team. You know, again, they're coming off the bye week. Um, So maybe that gives them a little bit more of an advantage where, you know, they're rested and ready to go. But you have to figure out a way to get it done. So hopefully the Falcons can uh, figure uh, it all out. But, uh um, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I don't think it's going to be a very pretty offensive game by any stretch of the imagination. Remember we talked about yesterday on the show that nine teams in the NFL won scoring 20 points or less last week. Nine teams scored 20 or less and won their game. So it's not been an offensive juggernaut outside of a, a few teams. The Kansas City's in Miami and some of those kinds of teams, which they're always juggernauts. I mean, you know, Kansas City's always a juggernaut offensively. But, again, um, not a lot of uh, big-time scores here over this past uh, weekend. All right, speaking of not a lot of scoring, let's get to something we call What's Bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. You know, the, the best thing, Orn, is the different facials that you give me over the course of a show. No, no, no. I'm not talking about that. That's another. That, that, no, not that. Not that. That's You, you saved that for baby making. But anyway. Um, um, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, no, but, but the, different, the different facial expressions that you give to me um, over the course of a show, that, that's what really makes, you know, that's what really makes things go. So it's real disappointment, John Chuck. I can't fake my disappointment when you say things. I can't fake it. I'm sorry. Again, you have to just kind of take it in stride. No, no one has to take it in stride. I mean, no one ever has to take it in stride. I mean, you can you can take it in the stride, but, I mean, again. Who the hell's bugging you, man? <laughs> Who the hell's bugging you? Because you're bugging me. <laughs> um, so the Philadelphia 76ers supposedly – so. You know the whole James Harden thing and and all the drama? He didn't show up to practice today. And there's speculation about whether or not he's going to play on Friday. He might make his preseason debut on Friday against the Hawks, right? But that's not set in stone. And he basically left his teammates to answer questions about him because they were asking Joel Embiid, like, hey, where's Harden at? He's like, I don't know, maybe he had something to do. And and Nick Nurse was having to answer questions about where's Harden at. I don't know. We don't we don't know. Now again, Harden has obviously got a lot of conflict with the owner of the 76ers, and he wants to be traded to the Los Angeles Clippers. Right? That's where he wants to go. He's made that public. He wants to go there. Okay. So I, I saw a deal that supposedly. And this is from the 76ers beat writer, who we've had on the show before. We've had we've had him on the show before. Um, the 76ers supposedly are looking for two first-round picks 
and a player from the um, Los Angeles Clippers. Let me get the um, let me get the guy's name. Um, bu- 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 it was Ter- uh, Terrence Mann is who they want. They want they want Terrence Mann. They want supposedly two first round picks and Terrence Mann back from the Los Angeles Clippers. And supposedly the two sides are far apart in in all of this. Okay, so. I'll tell you this, as much of a pain in the neck as James Harden is, and I don't know why they tried to trade for him to start with and, and bring him in there to that crazy environment, but can I tell you, if I'm the 76ers, I ain't giving him up for just a bag of donuts because he wants out of here and, and that he wants to not play for this team. I'll let him rot. I'll, I'll let him rot. They're... They're on the hook for him if he plays this year for what? I think it's $34.5 million is, is the, the, the option that was picked up. $34.5 million. And while I understand the players have all of the leverage when it comes to going where they want to go, playing with who they want to play, and all that good kind of stuff, can I tell you if I'm the 76ers, I play hardball with James Harden. And I get the best deal possible for it. And if that's not the Clippers or whatever, and, and again, I, I know that's where he wants to play and all that, and, and he's given everybody permission to try to pursue something. But if the Clippers are going to play hardball or whatever like that, hey, I'm not making the trade. I'll let him just sit and not make any money and, and just rot. Rot, you know, again, suspend him, whatever. The same thing that they did to Ben Simmons. Same thing that they did to him where they find him and all these different kinds of things. But if I'm the 76ers, I'm not acquiescing to what James Harden wants, where he necessarily wants to go, and all these different things about it. Like, I understand. Like I said, the players have all of the leverage. All, all All the players do all the time is, they go where they want to go, and, and I give them all the credit in the world. But if I'm the 76ers, I'm going to push back on it. I'm pushing back on it. And, and I'm not going to allow him to just walk out the door and really not get anything back through all of it. And again, supposedly the sides are, again, they're asking for two first-round picks and Terrence Mann. That's, that's, that's the deal that's been reported by the beat writer for the Philadelphia 76, I think for the Inquirer or whatever, or the Athletic or something like that, um, that that's the deal that has been, that that's what the 76ers want back in return. And if he if they don't get it back, I'm not getting rid of them. At some point, you have to you have to you have to not allow all the stars to always walk all over you. Because these guys get a chance to go where they want, who they want to play with. They they run things. But at some point, if I'm a franchise, I got to take back control. Now, again, they probably shouldn't have made a move to bring in James Harden to start with. But now that you're here, and, and by the way, again, I think it was $34.5 million that was his uh, option that he picked up um, that, that he's going to get paid this year if he plays. Is he willing to sit out for $34 million? That would be very interesting. 
He's got more money than the federal government. He's got all the Kardashians and all the strippers and all the hoes and everything that's available out there. How's it going, Orrin? Good to see you again. <laughs> He's got all of that going on. But I'm not going to give him his deal that he wants just to get him where he wants to be. Either I'm going to get something in return for it or it's not going to happen. That's what's bugging Chuck Reed. All right, 404-726-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line. We'll talk a little bit about Desmond Ritter when we get back and what his maybe potential ceiling is going to be. Chuck Reed hanging out with you in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio at 92.9 The Game, Odyssey.com app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.